He's just put out an autobiography titled Anchored, A Journalist's Search for Truth, and he's on the other end of our line. Hi, Mort. How are you? Hi, Mitch. Nice to talk to you, as always. Nice to talk to you, too. This book had a lot of interesting things that I did not know about you, even though I knew you when you were here. I guess that's the point of writing a book. Um, one One of which was that you originally intended to maybe go into uh, the pulpit. Uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a, book, a picture of you in the book at a, as a teenager at a revival. Uh, how close did you come to actually becoming a man of the cloth? I actually did, Mitch. Uh, it's an interesting story, which is why I led the book off with it. And as you know from looking at the book, uh, it, it is as much a, a story of my spiritual journey as it is a chronicle of, uh, of my career as a journalist. Uh, we had enough preachers in our family to start our own denomination. My father was a <laughs> uh, minister in a very conservative evangelical uh, fundamentalist church. His twin brother was an evangelist. And uh, when I was five years old, I used to play preacher the way a lot of kids played cops and robbers. And uh, you know, I'd pull out my grandfather's old radio bench because we didn't have television in those days. And I would uh, use that as a pulpit and pretend to be preaching. And by the time I was 16, I actually was preaching as an evangelist on the road, playing my accordion and piano, providing the music. And uh, it was all very entertaining. And uh, the churches capitalized on the fact that I was a teenaged evangelist. As I got older and actually pastored a couple of stu- uh, churches as a student while I was still uh, in my seminary and, and, and religious training, uh, I began to have questions about the faith as I had been taught it. Um, I began to have those big cosmic questions, you know, is there really a God? How do we know? How do we right. know the Bible is true? How do we know Jesus is uh, is the Son of God? And so I, I had to give that up and decided that journalism was the place where I could ask these questions without any obligation to uh, to have prepackaged answers. Of course, if you're going to be a minister in any denomination, you've got to you've got to believe certain tenets and promote those as being true. And there were just too many things I wasn't sure of. Would you say over the years? Uh... You, did your broadcasting style, did your anchor work in particular, uh, benefit or influence in any way from your pulpit work? That's an interesting question. Um, I think certainly the experience that I had at speaking at such a young age, by the time I was, by the time I was twenty-five, I'd given hundreds of sermons and uh, talks and. I'm sure that that uh, helped prepare me for, you know, a public life of, of speaking and anchoring. Uh, as for the, the role that my faith played, uh, which I think is the deeper part of your question, um, certainly it did. Uh, not in an overt way, not in trying to evangelize or change people's opinions, but I think there was a set of values and ethics um, a, a base morality that I grew up with that uh, certainly I hope was present in, in my work as a broadcaster and as a journalist. Mm. I would say it was. Uh, I remember it that way. I, 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 I straightened up a little bit when you did your broadcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was sitting in a temple or a church, so it must have been something, some undertone of that there. 
you, of course, you, 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 you didn't grow up here in Detroit, and you had, uh, uh, you know, been involved in that uh, when they swapped television stations and things like that, and, and you came in. T- nearly 20 years, I think it was, right, at DIV, 19 or 20 yes. years? Um, yeah. Yeah. What what would you say is unique to being a in the Detroit media that is different than anywhere else? I, I have my thoughts, obviously, from the newspaper perspective of it, but I'd be curious to hear yours. Sure. Well, it's a great news town. Uh, I enjoyed every single one of the nearly 20 years that I spent on the air, and I spent more time there because for several years I was, was running the production company that uh, we set up to syndicate my radio series. Right. Um, I love the people of Detroit. Uh, they are honest. They are open. I know it's hard to make generalizations, but uh, I think overall the people of Detroit are, are uh, there's very little pretense. Uh, they'll tell you what they think, um, and, and that's refreshing. And they're hardworking people. It's, a, it's basically a middle-class town. And uh, certainly has its challenges, and the challenges also uh, made for interesting news coverage, I think. But uh, my heart and soul are still in Detroit. We've retired to Florida because I'm getting too old to to shovel the snow and deal Mm -hmm. with the slipping around on the ice. And we are going to be back in Michigan. We we have a motorhome now that we got. Uh, we got out of the motorhome business, and then COVID came along, and we got back into it. <laughs> so we are uh, uh, coming up to Detroit. Uh, my goddaughter, uh, her son, is having a bar mitzvah, and uh, oh, wouldn't you know? Let me just hang that one up. Uh, <clears throat> so we're coming up to Detroit in mid-June, and then we're going from there on up to Lake Leelanau and spend a couple of weeks on the RV at the lake. Um, I love Michigan. I love Detroit. I've stayed in touch with uh, friends and people in the in southeastern Michigan, and uh, it will it will always be my emotional and spiritual home. Uh, Mort's book is called Anchored: A Journalist's Search for the Truth. It is extremely honest, uh, and at one point you actually talk about uh, an affair that you had with Jessica Savage, who people remember. Here, more I remember because I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, but uh, she went on to become quite a star in the news business at NBC. You went and visited her when you guys were working together as a team in Philadelphia. You visited her apartment for Chinese food uh, and started an affair that uh, that that racked you uh, from the inside, especially given, I'm sure, the, the religious upbringing that you had. Why did you choose to write about that now? I mean, you're you're in your mid eighties. I don't think anybody is, is 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 questioning you about it, and yet you were very honest in the book about it and honest about your feelings. Why? It was one of the most difficult decisions, and I will tell you that that story was in the book and out of the book and in the book and out of the book. Um, I wrestled with that, and it was finally my two children who convinced me that the story needed to be. Uh, in any in honest uh, memoir because it had such emotional impact on my life and was such a dominant issue during the years that I spent in Philadelphia. Jess and I worked together for almost five years. Fair didn't last that long. It was uh, a matter of less than two years, and it was more emotional than it was uh, physical. But uh, it took uh, it had a, a, a tremendous impact upon my life and and my views and my 
uh, even my ability to function, as you know from reading that chapter, yeah. uh, during the time that I was in Philadelphia, uh, there was a, a large part of me did not want to make that public. And my son, who is also a writer, he's a screenwriter, and my daughter's a writer, a playwright. And they're both very good at what they do. And they both said that if you're going to write an honest memoir, and that was such a, a big part of your emotional life, you basically had a breakdown uh, over that. Um, we don't see how you can write your life story and leave out something that was that crucial to to who you were, what you did, who you became. And so with a great deal of reluctance, I they said, you know, a lot of people think you've been kind of the perfect guy, the, you know, sort of the Pat Boone of news, and said you're not a perfect guy. And uh, nobody is, really. I, and, I, take, uh, I take it so from that that there was a moment then that, that far earlier when you were honest with them about it, too. Yes, yes. I, and I, yes. I mean, and that, 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 that probably is uh, more difficult than, than even being honest with the public about it. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how when you when you found out as the rest of the world did that that Jessica Savage died very untimely death she drowned in a, uh, a car accident. Uh, what were your emotions? It's hard to describe, but I'm not even sure that I could describe them. Uh, I was very fond of Jessica, as I said. What happened between us was very emotional because. We had worked together. We had developed a, a, a simpatico that, uh, you know, made made the whole thing so very difficult. It had only been just a, a, a sexual thing. It, it would have been much less difficult. But mm-hmm. when, when the emotions get involved and when you really feel that you are in love with two people, I, I never ceased loving my wife. But, uh, you know, that that's what took me to the psychiatrist. And uh, it took a lot, uh, several months uh, to really get that whole thing untangled. Mm-hmm. I was uh, covering a story in Canada uh, with a Channel 4 news team. Uh, and my wife called me and she said, I, I, it was in the morning, and she said, I've got some terrible news. She said, uh, Jessica is, is gone. And it just didn't register with me. I said, what do you mean she's gone? She said, she's dead. She died in a, in a car accident uh, overnight. And it's it's in the news, all, on, all the news. Well, I had flown my plane up there with the crew, and they were depending on me, of course, to fly them back. And uh, my producer at that time uh, was a Johnson, and right at the moment her first name slips. But anyway, uh, she said, you do what you need to do, get back. Uh, they knew that Jess and I had worked together. We were good friends. Of course, they didn't know the, the degree to that friend, of that friendship. They said, we'll rent a car. Uh, so I went out and did the rest of my stand-ups that day, and they were going to continue to shoot the B-roll and come back in the car. And I got in the plane and flew home. Hmm. Um, and her family, her sister called me and said, Mom wants you to deliver the eulogy at her funeral. I didn't know then, and I guess I will never know, still don't know to this day, how much her mother knew, how much she had shared with, with her family. But they did know that we were close and that we were very good friends. And and I did uh, accept the invitation to deliver wow. the eulogy at the did funeral. You, did, that, that, that's, wow. I, I, it's such a unusual position to be in did you especially with your religious background and having been on the pulpit before were there mixed emotions even as you were 
delivering that eulogy? Did you feel guilty in some way? I think at that point I had uh, uh, I had gotten the forgiveness that that I needed both the, from my creator and and from my wife and mm-hmm. um, I don't think I was feeling guilt. I was feeling a great deal of sadness because sure. um, I, I liked Jessica. You know, it was beyond just uh, having had that affair. I liked her. She was you a, had lost somebody. Who she was, was a good person, and yes, it yeah. was it was difficult uh, to write right. and to deliver the eulogy. But uh, I think it was more uh, sadness uh, than it was guilt at that point. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. This is all in the book that uh, Mort has uh, has penned, uh, anchored, A Journalist Search for the Truth. Two quick more questions. We'll let you go about journalism here in Detroit. So when you came into Detroit, Bill Bonds was on the air, and um, you were kind of cast as the, the, the anti-Bonds. Uh, I I relate to this to a degree because uh, when I was brought into Detroit, I was told, well, you're going to be the young sports columnist, and the Detroit News has Joe Falls and Jerry Green. They're like the old established guys, and and uh, and we had had Mike Downey, but uh, he just left, so we want you to be like the, you know, and I know what it's like to come into a town and sort of be cast before you even do anything as like uh, this is the role that you're going to play. Did you – fit into that role well and what were your thoughts about bill bonds as uh, you know both as a, as a competition and as a newscaster well i always respected bill as a competitor and we were very civil to each other obviously working uh, as we did as competitors and at the same hours we we were not social friends uh, we would run into each other quite often at uh, at social events and charity fundraisers and that kind of thing uh, but I always respected Bill. His style obviously was very different than mine, and I don't think it was ever our intention, the, the Post Newsweek management, or my intention to out Billy Billy. He did what he did, and I did what I did, and uh, we we were of the belief that hard work and covering the news and giving Detroit uh, straight, hard information and doing it well uh, with a great team of reporters and a great team of, of people behind the scenes uh, eventually would pay off, and as you know, eventually it did, but it was a long, slow slog, and I will tell you, the first couple of years were pretty uncomfortable. Um, I, I will credit the Post-Newsweek management, the Washington Post Company, with having incredible patience. Uh, I tell the story in the book about going in after uh, I'd had a particularly stinging uh, column by Chris Stair, uh where she focused on the fact that she couldn't listen to what I said because she kept seeing the sweat on my lip. Hmm. Truth is, I probably was sweating a lot those days. Hmm. But I was so uh, taken aback. Uh, I, I'd been uh, number one in Philadelphia for several years with, with Vince and with Jessica. And uh, to be struggling at the bottom of the heap and, and not knowing when and if we would make our way out of that I went into Jim Snyder, uh, been there about a year and a half, maybe two years, and I handed him an envelope, and he said, what's this? I said, it's my resignation. I said, I can't hold you guys to a contract uh, when I'm not doing the job. And he took it, didn't even open the envelope. He tore it in two pieces, dropped it in the waste can, and he said, don't ever pull a stunt like that again. <laughs> he said, we knew what we were getting when we hired you. We are in this for the long haul. We didn't expect overnight success. Now quit reading the columns and get back to work. Wow. wow. And I, that I'm was not a, sure that, that I'm not sure you get that today. But, uh, that's, yeah, well, yeah. 
my agent would have had apoplexy if he'd known what I did because I had a five-year <laughs> no-cut contract, and of course I was giving them the right to <laughs> to terminate. Yeah. You were that cutting my yourself, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> but I really I felt that emotional about it, and I thought I I'll get a job somewhere. I'm not going to be out of work, but I can't hold these people when I when we're just not getting it done. Yeah. But eventually we did get it done. You did. You can did I indeed. can I make a comment about the uh, availability of the book? Of course. It's it's obviously available on Amazon and in the bookstores, but if any of uh, the folks in Detroit who remember me would like to have a personally autographed copy, uh, it's available on my website, mortcrimspeaks.com. Wow, mortcrimspeaks.com. Does somebody else own yep. mortcrim.com? They do. That yeah. went with the company when I sold <laughs> When I yeah. sold the company, so you're very perceptive. Anytime yeah, I hear so somebody who to... says their website and it has to be longer than their real name means somebody else <laughs> bought their website. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great to talk to you, uh, Mort. And, and I mean, it sounds like you could literally go on the air right now and deliver. The, and I, I imagine that you absolutely could with all the professionalism and, and, uh, and comfort uh, that you offer. I, my, my, my final question to you uh, quickly is is listening to you i'm reminded of the respect that i believe almost everyone had for you when you delivered the news i say almost only because there's no such thing as everybody loves everybody um it just stands in such contrast to the way i think of at least cable news now where everybody either loves and that's their guy or hates and that's that's the enemy uh, not so much local news, you know. I think Devin Skillian is is, is also, you know, the, the person who replaced you essentially is 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 uh, respected and and well thought. Of. But on a national scale, everybody now picks their newscasters the way they pick their sports teams. You know, you, they're, right. they're rooting for one That's and rooting right. for the other one to fail. Do do you bemoan that? I mean, that is clearly a different state of news than when you and I got into it. Well, I do. Uh, I, I think it's dangerous for the country. Uh, my wife and I have taken to watching BBC America uh, to try to get any any international news. Obviously, we get it in the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, and and to some degree in the in the Detroit papers. But uh, television, it, it's just become uh, you know the news. The news has become script for entertainment shows, and it's uh, so much opinion and so little actual uh, factual reporting that I, I think it, it's bad for the country. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Internet with the uh, unfiltered, uh, unverified information that anybody can be a reporter. Anybody who has a computer can put anything out there without any kind of uh, vetting at all. And so everybody, if they want to be informed, has to be their own editor these days and has to be uh, very scrupulous about what they accept as, as being true. It's tough. Well said. Well said and uh, a good way to end. I, I, we could talk to you. Mitch, I, I, will, I will just make a comment. I thought this book might have a particular appeal to you because of the, uh, the spiritual nature of the books that you have written. There is always that undercurrent, and sometimes it's, uh, it's very uh, not just an undercurrent. It's very, uh, it seems to me you have also been on a journey, and uh, I, I, I would think there is some identification with, with my story. Indeed, and still on that journey, by the way. Uh, yes, we are. That's why yes, I we appreciate, are. That's why I appreciate your uh, talking to us and, and so appreciate your book, Anchored, A Journalist's Search for the Truth. 
is Mort Krim's uh, story. You can get it, of course, at all the places you get books like Amazon and all the rest, but at Mort Krim Speaks. Dot com. Don't go to morkcrim.com, but at morkcrimspeaks.com, you can get an autographed copy of it as well. Great to talk to you, Mort. Stay well, stay healthy. Always, Mitch. And Thank look you. Look forward to talking to you again. To you.